Hey, it's me, Kelly Anakin. I'm talking about Showtime's hit series, Yellow Jackets, one episode at a time with some of the funniest people I know. Let's find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting eaten. Welcome to Blood Hive. Today's residents of the Blood Hive are two of my favorite, most coolest people that I know. First up, we have a comic writer, musician, and chief vibe officer of Joy Channel, where she cultivates use of all her creative energy for good with a team of creatives and change agents who make dope shit to change culture. Everybody, it's my pal, Luna Malbrew. Hey, so excited to be with you. So excited to see you. It's been way too long. I foolishly did not hang out with you when I was in Ohio in the summer when we thought that life was going back to normal. It feels like it's been 19 months since we last saw each other. I think think that might be accurate. I think that might be true. Um, Someone else who's here who I also haven't seen in 19 months is the critically acclaimed author of Also an Octopus, illustrated by Benji Davies, The Mermaid, The Witch, and the Sea, Squad, illustrated by Lisa Sterl, and Love in the Library, illustrated by Yaz Imamura. With more books forthcoming, she's also the co-host of the Failure to Adapt podcast, a show about book-to-film adaptations. Hey, it's Maggie Takuda-Hall. Hey, I'm so excited to be here and maybe eat either of you if it <sighs> comes to it. <laughs> I mean, I've I've done nothing but fill myself with tasty, high-calorie foods. Um, I feel like the fat marbling on me right now is like the best it's ever going to be. I also think I'd be so tasty. Like mm-hmm. I know like these thighs, come on. <laughs> Thank you guys for being so amenable to me cannibalizing you. I feel yeah. seen and validated. <laughs> What's great about this podcast is everybody is so supportive of one another up to and including <laughs> being willing to be eaten. This is not the first <laughs> conversation for somebody who's like, you know what? You all could eat me. That would be cool. I mean, I'm not saying you can kill me. You could just slice a little bit of thigh off. You know what I mean? Just like you know faking what? that. Mm. I have mm, I have questions. Well, you know, maybe we'll see that in season two of Yellow Jackets. <laughs> I, I just remember as a small child, I watched a uh, PBS, probably like an American experience, documentary about the Donner Party and I did not sleep for days. It was so horrifying. (laughs) And now I'm obsessed with the show that is like, uh, what if the Donner Party, but like recreational cannibalism too. Yeah. But like a high school girls soccer team. (laughs) Yeah. But like fun. So I am super happy that you could both join me. This is a matchup that I've just been like salivating for to stick with our distressing metaphors. <laughs> Episode eight, Flight of the Bumblebee. And I would love to know from both of you, how did you come to the show Yellow Jackets? What is your Yellow Jackets origin story? I love this question because I've been listening to the episodes and I feel like I haven't heard anyone say my answer, which is Yellow Jackets found me. Like the internet <laughs> algorithms work. I got an ad in the summer it was like hey bitch you're queer and bitter and approaching middle age (laughs) this is a show for you and I saw that trailer like months ago and I was like they got my girl Christina Ricci they got Juliette Lewis like 
I shared it with some witches I know, and I'm like, y'all, this show is going to drop, and I'm so excited for it. And it was, it's yeah, they found me. They got their audience member. <laughs> what an inspiring tale of how marketing actually helped someone for a change. I know. You never hear about benevolent technology, and yet here we are. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> And Maggie, how about you? I heard about it on Twitter. The writer Annalie Newitz tagged me in uh, their tweets about it because they were like, I just started this show. I'm really into it. Maggie, I want to know what you think. And I was like, first of all, when Annalie gives recommendations, I listen. And secondly, the sales pitch they gave to me was exactly up my alley. And so I I was sold. I immediately got into it. And actually, Kelly, thank you for offering me your logins. I didn't end up using them because more than one person came to my aid. They were like, you do need to watch this and you need to start immediately. And I will make that happen. <laughs> Maggie, I've given so I mean, this Kelly and I, we bonded over this like, I literally bought Showtime just for Yellow Jackets. I've given so many people my login just to be like, I need to talk about this with people. (laughs) It has so inspired evangelism in a way that I just, I can't remember a TV show that everybody likes this much in such a long time. Granted, I do feel that the pandemic has eroded both my short-term and my long-term memory. So I may be forgetting about something. I mean, I feel like Ted Lasso was like that when it first came out. Like, it started and everyone I knew was like, have you watched this show? No, I know it doesn't sound like a show you like. I promise you're going to like it anyway. Like, I got a lot of that. The difference here was, uh, hey, have you heard of this show? Oh, my God. This is a show that was made specifically for you. Yeah. What do I need to do to bring you to this show? (laughs) It's true. Nobody offered me their Apple TV login to watch Ted Lasso. They were like, you're on your own, but you should watch it. And with Yellow Jack. They were like, I will make you watch it. I'm I'm so glad to be here amongst my community because I've told so many people about the show and I feel like I've been like shamed for my my, my dark sensitivities because I'm just like, yeah, I'm like, it's amazing. These girls get lost on an island. It's a true story of women empowerment and they eat each other. And they're just like, <laughs> Luna, that sounds dark. Do you mean they eat each other in a gay way? No, in a literal like spit roasting a leg way. Oh, I guess you can not... say I've just been hungry for <laughs> stories oh. about women <laughs> that don't center around like the typical stories about women that we always see, you know? Right. So, yes. I do. And I mean, that's the difference between this show. I, okay. Admittedly, I've not seen Ted Lasso because I have a very insurmountable like buy, like I won't watch things on Apple TV. I just won't do it. Like mm-hmm. that is what broke me. Like I went ahead, I caved and got Paramount Plus because I love the show Evil. Um, but I only keep that when Evil is new. <laughs> and for some reason with Apple TV, I'm just like I I can't do it. I just can't. I can't let you into my brain. So we'll see how long that lasts. But I'm just kind of writing it out. Like when are they finally going to get me? Also, I will add on to Apple TV that it's the hardest to share. They're like. No, you got to actually be in your location. Like other ones, it's like, just share the password and it's fine. But they really mm-hmm. want to make sure the person watching is the person who paid for it, which is rude. <laughs> yeah. What are you, my dad? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here, Apple. Ah, <laughs> uh, Daddy Apple. So this episode, what is madness and what is divine? While in triage after a vicious attack, the Yellow Jackets are left to suss out the best of their worst ideas. Shauna dabbles in some light cyber stalking. 
This is written by Ashley Lyle and Bart Nickerson, as usual. It's also written by Cameron Brent Johnson, who has such a fascinating backstory that I got the bare bones of, no pun intended, from (laughs) IMDb. He has a PhD in neuroscience and has pivoted to television writing. So like PhD in neuroscience, then went to USC for screenwriting. Um, he's written before on a show called Coventry that I don't know anything about, but I'm like, wow, what an interesting path. And something I've really enjoyed about digging into the writers on this show, it's a lot of really early in career writers, which I love to see. And I just, I think we need to see more of this where it's like, yeah, the showrunners are going to take a writing credit on every episode, but we're also going to boost people who are newer in career who are coming from these non-traditional backgrounds. So A plus work, Showtime. I love it. Yeah. This is directed by Ariel Kleiman, who also directed some episodes of Top of the Lake. I think the lesser second season, which was not as good as the first, Um, which also makes me think about the fact that Top of the Lake is set in New Zealand. Melanie Linsky is from New Zealand. We could have had a Top of the Lake starring Melanie Linsky. And now I just want to go back in time and create that reality. I mean, we already knew we live in the worst timeline. We didn't deserve that project. (laughs) A really good point. Also, maybe if we had that project, we don't get yellow jackets. So Mm. I'm like, speaking of uh, sussing out the best of our worst timelines. How zen of you. (laughs) Thank you. I've become very zen, not on purpose. I wasn't intending to have personal growth through this pandemic. And yet I'm just so chill. Yesterday, my therapist was like, you're doing really well. And I was like, nobody's more surprised than me, Ange. (laughs) It's really just forced us to accept that anything can happen at any moment. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, constantly like, just forced to be in the present moment. (laughs) I'm forced to be here. I don't want to be in the present moment. (laughs) Which is what's nice about podcasting, because being in the present moment also means that I get to rewatch Yellow Jackets multiple times per episode and be like, this is work. It is lovely. I'm helping. <laughs> so this episode begins. We have Melanie Linsky doing the previously on, I believe. And we see Thaisa lighting a funeral pyre, which they are very good at building. Um, kind <laughs> yes. of distressingly so. <sighs> you know, I never even asked that question of like, wait, how these random girls get so good at creating an elaborate funeral pyre. Like- Misty took the uh, Red Cross funeral director <laughs> training course <laughs> twice. Twice. With the we the optional like global global strategies. <laughs> So we see this sort of otherworldly POV of the survivors of this wolf attack. And if you'll recall, at the end of the previous episode, we saw Van lying on the ground with her whole uh, jaw out for everybody to see. And I, I was like, oh, my God, is she dead? There was like so much speculation on the internet about like, is she dead? Is she not dead? Uh, because the actor, Liv Hewson, they were in a bunch of the promos in scenes we hadn't seen yet. So I'm just like, are these flashbacks? What's going on? Surprise. No, Van is not dead. Van is having some kind of spiritual experience while watching all of her teammates like cry over her body. And then they disappear and she kind of like sees the trees and this sort of like phosphorescent 
green like that one episode of the x-files even though it's dark um it kind of, it looks almost like she's seeing the forest in the daytime she moves mari realizes she's alive and then they all roll her off of the pyre which fortunately has not quite gotten going yet and even with half of her face missing van always the comedian is just like really fire i just have to say this was the moment from the get-go i was very like team van I feel like I was drawn to Van as one of my favorite characters, and this sealed the deal. I'm like, this bitch can't be killed. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) For sure, I would not have something pithy to say with half my face missing. Like, it would just Mm -hmm. be, like, crying, whimpering, like, calling for my mom. Like, nothing fun would come out of my mouth. (laughs) Van was like, y'all tried to burn me again? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she can't blame Jackie this time. <laughs> she wasn't anywhere near there. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she could find a way to blame Jackie. <laughs> True. Blame Jackie really is the like the motto of this crew at mm-hmm. this point. I'm mm-hmm. with that actually. I <laughs> tell me more. I also blame I blame Jackie just in general. She's just the worst and I <laughs> I am I'm on team not Jackie personally. Mm-hmm. Okay. (laughs) Fantastic. That's great to know. No, it's a great way to watch this episode. After the credits, we go to Mary Magdalene Summer Camp, which I thought was a weird name for a summer camp. I was like, there's no way. Yeah, isn't Magdalene the whore? Well, okay. (laughs) Sorry, I'm a Jew. I just- No, no, no. no. It's totally fine. This is a whole separate podcast episode. Mary Magdalene was historically a very wealthy patron of Christ. Um, So- Why did people tell me she's a prostitute? Because in the early days of the church, in order to sideline the women who had power and influence while Jesus- Jesus was alive, mm. um, they kind of allowed some of these rumors to proliferate. That's so fucking rude. The woman caught in adultery, who is who you're thinking of in the Gospels, like she's never identified by name. So it's like it's this collapsing of a bunch of different women in the Bible into this really convenient stereotype that everybody will be like, oh, we don't need her. My favorite thing about this is like watching your biblical knowledge come to rise when like unknowingly called upon Kelly. I just feel like listen, <laughs> you never know like, when a clueless Jew is going to guest on your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> if there is a God, I was put on this planet for one purpose to know a disconcerting amount about theology uh, and you know, I was happy that I got to share that with all of you. So, um, yeah, I'm glad. yeah, you know, the Da Vinci Code is wrong. The Bible is wrong. A lot of people are wrong. But um, Mary Magdalene Camp might be right. Yeah. So I actually, I looked at, I was like, are there any churches called Mary Magdalene? And there are. So I was like, okay. But um, I don't know. I just, I'm curious what denomination of Christian Laura Lee is. It feels like they're sort of cherry picking from a lot of different denominations. So Christian. Huh? I said so Christian. I just heard <laughs> I just heard cherry picking. <laughs> that's what they do. <laughs> that is a really good point. Maybe that's maybe she's got a metatextual meaning where it's just like we don't know. I feel like she goes to like Justin Bieber's church, like that kind of church where it's just like <laughs> we're cool. Mm-hmm. And we love Jesus. Yeah. Like revival heavy. We're not like those other Christians. We swim. 
<laughs> the fact that there are so many kinds of Christian is so confusing to me. I don't, I think it's wild that Christian people will be like, I can't keep all the gods in like Hinduism or something straight where it's like, do you understand how many different types of you there are? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's just so many. I mean, just different types of Mary Magdalene alone. Because I watched Lurley and I was like, okay, so she's like scary Midwestern Christian. Yes. <laughs> That's what I got. Ish. That's the energy I got. Which, which coming from the South... I was just like, oh, so she's like nice, easygoing Christian. Probably the same. (laughs) But she is nice, easygoing Christian. I've called it out in the past where she has a comment to Nat about Nat having contraband potentially that's so judgmental. And I'm like, that's not how this blend of Christian would react. Like this blend of Christian would be like, you know, you know who else liked wine? (laughs) And sustained his friends with his body and blood anyway um there's there's a lot of kind of hand wavy stuff going on with laura lee's religion i'll allow it i allow everything that happens on this show i don't care it makes me so happy and so laura lee dives headfirst into the pool in the shallow end in the shallow end and i'm like did she do this on purpose i did go through a phase when i was like seven where I'd be like tipping my chair back in school. My friend was like, why are you doing that? You could get hurt. I was like, I'm trying to die and go to heaven. Duh. Wait, did um, you really? I did. I I never mm. succeeded. But spoiler alert. Like that was my response. <laughs> Look, yeah. I love that you were like, I'm in the wrong thing. I just need, can I get to heaven? This is too much. That was my attitude. Like growing up Catholic, I was like, I really should be one of these young virgins that like, god is appearing to okay like where is where is that for me where's my parade (laughs) still waiting i'm still waiting also how heinous would it be if i was in heaven and i was still podcasting i think that would be dope (laughs) just gotta be like what the listeners they need it (laughs) think about the fans kelly (laughs) so laurie dives head first for some reason unclear why She thought this would be a good idea. She wangs her head on the bottom of the pool because it is three feet deep and blood is coming out of her face. The next thing we see is this hot, very clearly gay, distressingly pale (laughs) lifeguard. He's so I'm like, like, are you using SPF 200, sir? Is it the beginning of summer? How do you have no color on you whatsoever? And he's wearing a cross. That's the first thing that she sees. And Laura Lee's like, you saved me. And he says, I didn't save you, Laura Lee. He did. And like points to the sky. It's almost camp. Mm -hmm. Almost. It's camp, baby. (laughs) It's a camp moment at summer camp. It is camp squared. (laughs) (laughs) It felt weird because the show isn't campy otherwise. Yeah, I do feel like it was the most campy moment. I love like... I love that you identified that this person was hot because I also, I feel like I would have seen the chest before I saw the cross. You know what I mean? If I were coming back to life, Laura Lee, I'd be like, muscles, got it. That's what brought me back to life. That's because you're a sinner. (laughs) Facts. That's true. That's true. Yeah, just FYI, this podcast is sinners only. So (laughs) my apologies to St. Mary Magdalene. (laughs) I mean, if the antler queen wants me to do something, I'm going to do it. That's Mm -hmm. all I got to (laughs) say. Here's part of – this is the issue is like they want to play it straight with Laura Lee or do they? 
because this is a person like this is a type of person who exists yeah and i think so often what happens is like when people are writing these characters with like extreme religious worldviews it gets into the like oh like we're coastal elites so we like have to make fun of this but it's like especially with the way that the show treats laura lee throughout the rest of the episode it takes her very seriously as a person i think because it's told this episode's probably the only episode that's like pretty clearly through her perspective we get Mm. her flashback we get her thing but it is also called flight of the bumblebee and right before they she dies they set her teddy bear on fire so like i'm pretty sure they're coming at this from a like she might take this deadly seriously but we do not take her deadly seriously Mm -hmm. kind of place which i I can understand that piece of it. I just, it feels very different from how they treat all of the other characters for some reason. Really? I feel like they do the same thing to Jackie, where it's like, Jackie takes her life very seriously, but they do not take Jackie seriously. (laughs) That's a good point, actually. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like there's like a complexity, and at least we see in Jackie, that we maybe don't get with Laura Lee. Like, she's just this like, Mm. consistently earnest. I don't even want to say naive because that would be implying that people of faith are naive and I'm not going to publicly imply that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a joke. I'm joking. I'm not going to imply that, but you know, I do feel like she, she has like an earnestness to her, but I also wonder like what else is going on in there? You know, she's got a grit and she's got like a sense of purpose that is like, you know, it ends the way that we will discuss, but like, I do think that they did write her more complicated. I think it would have really been easy to have the really religious character be just a point of humor, which is what she the point she serves earlier on. But she's also the first one of the girls other than Taisa to show any kind of initiative in helping them. Like mm. Taisa tries and fails. And so Laura Lee watches it and is like, okay, well, then it's my turn and I'm going to do it and I will risk my life for it. And well, <laughs> but like you you kind of have to respect her for it at least. And she stands up to the coach too. And we get a little bit of a glimmer to me of sort of the depths of the character that we don't necessarily get through the rest of the season toward the end, you know, when she uses the F word. And it's like, you know, it just reminds me of, you know, sort of the directive for a lot of young Christians is like, you live in the world, but you're not of it. Mm. So it's like, she knows, she knows about these things. She did go to the drinking party in the first episode. That's true. Which I was like, what are you, are you witnessing at the drinking party? Like, what are you doing, Laura Lee? She's being, you know, she's being a friend. She's loving the sin or not the sin. Mm, and hopefully <laughs> designatedly driving some of these people. Also, I, you know, I just want to say that I, I like Laura Lee. You know, I think she's, she's one of the more interesting characters. And I wish I had more of her, honestly. Mm-hmm. I was actually pretty devastated by the ending, the explosive ending. Of this episode. So to get there, Laura Lee is sitting on the porch. She's praying out loud for a sign, much like a young Kelly Anakin. And a bird lands on the porch where she's sitting and then flies away. And Lottie comes out and she's like, hmm, do you think the the outward bound group is okay? And Laura Lee says, they're in God's hands now, which is not what Lottie asked. I love this bird thing because it just really speaks to, I think one of the undercurrents of the whole show is that if you're looking for signs, you're going to see them. Like it's how you interpret them. Mm -hmm. Like they tell you everything and just like, you know, God, I need a sign. And it it could have been a bird. It could have been bird poop. It could have been anything. And Laura Lee probably would have still been like, got it. Ready to go. This 
cuts me deep because I have to fight so hard my innate instinct for magical thinking all the time. I just, it's sometimes I'm like, it's a miracle that you're still alive, Kelly, because I'll be like, oh my God, this is telling me to do this very risky thing. Less so now as I am approaching middle age rapidly. (laughs) (laughs) I just think like to imagine that God was trying to send her a sign, but God sent like a bush tit or something, you know, like some word that like favors like a really well stockaded nest and he, mm-hmm. like God's like, don't worry, she'll see this and understand that she's supposed to stay right there and stay safe and warm and amidst it. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> so sorry, God. If you want to get through to Laura Lee, you got to send her a lifeguard. <laughs> a pal chiseled lifeguard. Ugh. Like he is like a statue brought to life, but like not in a fun way. <laughs> In 2021, Shauna comes into the kitchen in her bathrobe to find Callie, who finally came home from her friend Alana's and found Adam's money clip and ID on the floor in the living room. Yikes. And Shauna is like, okay, okay, okay. Maybe it's messed up that I brought him here to my marital bed, but your dad is also cheating. And, you know, Callie's just like, you don't know anything about this guy. And Shauna's like, he's fine. We're all fine. It's still 1996. (laughs) And Callie is like, he's not on the internet anywhere for being an artist. He's not doing any self-promo. And Callie thinks that Adam wants to con Shauna. And Shauna's like, no, he just thinks I'm hot. And Callie remains skeptical. I think Adam thinks she's hot and wants to con her in some way at this point. I'm curious at this point in the show, where were you at with Adam? Oh, I straight up thought he was trying to con her, which it, I think it, it I, I also just don't believe that you just like, <laughs> I'm saying this bitterly, that you just like run into a hot man on the street, like literally in your car. And they're just like, mm, let me pay for that. And then how could I take you out for dinner? I'm just like, it hasn't happened to me. So it's not happening to Shauna. There must be be something amiss here. Uh, Luna, you may benefit from the gifts of magical thinking. (laughs) I know. Okay. I have a – sorry. I have a wackadoo theory about what – who Adam is. I think he is Javi. I think he's the little brother who gets separated from the group and he's found his way back and in – a previous episode, Shada like gives him a journal and is like, "Here, you do this," and like they bond a little bit. And she's the only girl to even act like he's alive, who's in the entire situation. Like everyone's there, his brother's treating him like shit, and none of the girls even remember that he's alive. <laughs> no one could be bothered except for kind of Shauna. And so I think that he has like escaped, come back, and he still feels this need to be connected to her, but knows that if he says who he is she's going to get weirded out and not be with him and he's not going to get you know his dick wet in the way that he wanted to since he was 13 and so he's like "Uh, i'm i'm adam and i do these things and that's why my background is so hard to track down and why my name is so generic in such a convenient way and it's gonna hit real hard when she realizes she stabbed him people have pointed out like his last name is martin Mm -hmm. which is just an anglicized version of martinez Um, oh my god i didn't even notice that (laughs) I mean, and, you know, we don't know by the end of the season who he really was. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are interpreting things as like, oh, we still, you know, oh, well, he wasn't 
this and he was. I'm like, look, we still don't know anything about him at the end of the season. You know who he could have been also? Same person, but like same but slightly different version of that theory is because clearly in the finale, Lottie has like her little church going. What mm-hmm. if she sent him down from the hills to like re-recruit her mm-hmm. and bring her back into the fold? This is my now like kind of overarching theory, which I will try not to delve into too deeply. But I I think all of this weirdness that's going on is all about kind of like reactivating the mm-hmm. four yeah. that we see. Actually, I think Misty's been with them the whole time. I think that too. <gasps> Sorry. Twins. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Because again, we get in the, you know, this is sort of in parallel to like the whole thing with Adam where it's like, oh, he was nobody, I guess. Well, in the first, I'm sorry, the second episode when Natalie confronts Misty and she's like, what about this postcard? And Misty's like, I got one too. So I guess we're just going to have to trust each other. And it's such a clever narrative trick because Natalie has a gun. So Natalie's like, well, I'm not going to kill you. I'm like, well, I too believe Misty, Natalie. Um, despite the fact that Natalie has been shown to be a terrible judge of character with almost everything that she does. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Misty is on her own just being Misty because I just, <laughs> which I, I do wonder if the cult would be like, yes, you can have a, a parrot. Like, yeah, that- I just feel like if you're in a cult, I, I got to think about it as if I'm a cult leader. I never think about I think about this all the time. But I just Luna, feel like, I will absolutely join your cult. Like where you. do I sign? I'll send you the postcard when it's time. <laughs> but I just feel like you wouldn't really want Misty. You'd want to keep her active, but you wouldn't want her to be like the central like tool in all of your plans because she's so unstable. Yeah, she's kind of like your freelancer that you tap <laughs> when you need. She's a contractor. <laughs> she's not really a team player. I love it. So we see Shauna, who is finally, like, Callie's gotten into her head. She's like, all right, I'm calling the Pratt Institute to see if Adam went to school there. And they just can't find a record of him. I actually, I meant to ask a friend of mine who works in a registrar's office at a college, like, don't you need some identifying information about the student and also yourself before they'll just, like, cough up a transcript? Now that I'm thinking about it right now, I feel like this is the mo- the most unbelievable thing about the show is that Shauna didn't immediately Google this man. Like, I just feel like anybody that I'm talking to now, I'm like, you know, I'm like doing research. They have set her up as a bit of a Luddite. In the first episode, her daughter's making fun of her 12-year-old desktop computer. Oh, and no. I think that she just, you know, she never really hopped on that internet train. Because she was traumatized. And probably because it's a cesspool of weird theories about her and her life that she doesn't need. So I could see her being, I think it's believable that she's just sort of like checked out from it. Okay, I'm convinced again. (laughs) Sean is distressed that apparently Adam did not go to the Pratt Institute. I would be relieved. Um, (laughs) Sorry, art students. (laughs) Jeff comes in with a Saks Fifth Avenue bag with a dress for the reunion, which is heinous. It's like a yellow bandage dress. And he's like, you married into homecoming royalty. And I'm like, who says that? Jeff. Also, Jeff, where did you get Saks money all of a sudden? Also, Hmm. bandage dresses look good on very few people. And it's just not. That's not. No, it's like you. I mean, you. It's very much like. 
a twiggy figure looks good. Like you just, you can't have too many curves because you're not getting the lines that you want. Yeah. And I'm saying that I mean, it's, some- it's like sausage casing. It's like an unfortunate yes. thing. I kind of love Jeff in that moment though. I know it's misguided and like the dress is not pretty, but I love that he was like, I think you will look sexy in this sexy ass dress that I found. And like, there's like a kind of affection in that gesture that's so stupid. Mm-hmm. That I find it endearing where you're like, baby, first of all, she is like so pale that putting the color yellow on her is actually like in violation of the Geneva Convention. You're not allowed <laughs> to do it. Uh, the bandage dress issue we have discussed. It's, you know, that's rough. And it shows a lack of understanding of her personal style. Mm-hmm. But it does show his like I don't, like sexual appreciation of her yeah like in a way that's sort of sweet between a married couple where you're like oh you're gross like you still get a boner for your wife you you're gross i love you jeff is like <laughs> that dog from the movie up yeah um who's like i was hiding under your porch because i love you doug he has the <laughs> yeah. personality of a yellow lab you're right he does he really does <laughs> and it's adorable and i would like one honestly mm-hmm. i could use a nice dumb guy who will buy me something i can exchange for something i really want you know what would you want to be your uh in that bag Let's say what you would have, I want. Yeah. What would you want? What would I want that I was willing to keep? Yeah. Or what, what would, would I want, want your yellow okay. lab to actually bring you? Fully Morticia Adams's gown. <laughs> <laughs> with the sleeves, with the whole deal, and a red lipstick to match. Mm. That is so much more elegant than mine, which is uh, – more athletic sleep rompers in a variety of colors. <laughs> you know what I want? I want the Zsa Gabor. I also, my Instagram ads also knows that I'm this bitch. Like, I'm like, who else are they sending you to? You know, like like the long, fluffy gowns with like ruffled feathers? That Maribu? Yes. Maribu. Yes. That's what I need out there, internet. <laughs> I'm Look, I'm seeing this amazing like marketing campaign of like, Malbrew and Marabou, like think Ooh. about it. Just saying. Once and again, she- marketing could help people. <laughs> oh God. Back in the wilderness, Travis is playing solitaire, and Nat says there are no queens in that deck of cards, which was made much of by people on the internet. I'm curious about Dead Cabin guy. Like, mm, did you just hate women, or like why no queens? And Nat's like, oh, do you want to go hunting? He's like, no, you're better at it. I'm just going to stay here and be annoying. Uh, which, like, when <laughs> when a man is emotionally withholding from a woman, that signal goes up to the spirits and they start playing Fade Into You by Mazzy Star. <laughs> and that that is what happens here. We cut back to Nat in 2021 doing her eye makeup and drinking and smelling her pillow, which I guess smells like Kevin Tan still. She says, fuck you. She's texting someone for drugs. You know, normal adult shit. 2021, Natalie is like everything I dream to be. And in those those room scenes, like there were a couple of days over... (laughs) You know, and and the finale that I was just like, I'm Juliette Lewising right now. That's what I'd call it. And that basically meant <laughs> it was like dancing around in my apartment, drinking out of a bottle, doing a backbend for no reason. Just like mm. 
living into it. I love it. I love that for you. Thank you. I love that we've verbed Juliette Lewis. Oh, she needs to be a verb because this, I mean, she's look literally looking at her as what brought me into the show, you know? <laughs> I think if Juliette Lewis was going to be a different kind of verb or like a dual meaning verb, her other meaning would be like doing a batshit crazy take on some pretty innocuous dialogue. Because that happens in this episode where she's calling the bank trying to get the information. And the take she does of I want to speak to your manager is just other world – like you galaxy brain weird. Like (laughs) – no, it is. It's like where – how did you even think of that? Yeah. It would have never even occurred to me to move my body into that shape with that dialogue. Wild. Wild. Back in 1996, the proto-Juliet Lewis finds Coach sitting by the stream and he's she's like, oh, how did you convince Misty to go on the trip? And he's like, he didn't have to tell her. And Nat teases him for getting dumped by Misty Quigley. But then she's like, well, she's not really your type. And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, you're gay. <laughs> you're a gay. I can tell. Yes. So I'm baby Juliet Lewis. I can tell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. I, <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> I backbend. I gaydar. I do it all. Yeah. <laughs> and she says that she thinks he's gay because he never looks at their boobs during practice. And that made me feel sad. But also... It's accurate. It's very accurate. I it's was like, like oh. I'm not threatened by you. I feel safe around you. Mm-hmm. Must be gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did write, she is an ally with a capital A. You did. I love yeah. it. was a very sweet moment because what I love about it, it was like, you know, it's the 90s. <laughs> so a lot of the language we might have now, you know, around like, you know, supporting someone who, you know, and, and their sexuality, or whatever. We didn't have that, that much experience with that as a culture and a society. But she's just like, it's cool, dude. Do you have a boyfriend? What's that about? Anyway, mm-hmm. do you think this guy is gay? <laughs> Can't get it up. What's that I about? Did, I did love that turn because I so would have done the same thing. I would have been like, okay, well, I know it's not me because I'm hot. <laughs> so he's gay, right? Coach, you're gay. He's gay. You're, you're all gay. You're gay. Is every man in this wilderness right now gay? Is that what's happening to me? <laughs> he's like, well, there's only one. She's like, no, remember about Javi? He's like, who? Yeah. <laughs> Hoovy? <laughs> Coach did have a boyfriend named Paul, who's a writer, and Paul wanted Coach to move to the city with him. Should have done it, Ben. Right? Oh, my God. You wouldn't be in the goddamn woods. Getting poisoned by Misty Quigley, (laughs) one leg short. I just want to – I wish I could be a fly on that wall for that conversation. It's just like, move to the city with me. Like, let's build a life. And he's like, no, I got to coach this high school girls soccer team. Like, what? I need to continue living a lie in the suburbs. <laughs> it's like, dude, it's 1996. You don't have to do a Douglas Sirk movie anymore. So um, Coach thinks that Travis is pretty deep in love with Natalie. And he's like, ah, you know, just let him let him hetero for a couple days. And I'm sure he'll take another chance. And then he's like, by the way, I need you to keep my gay secret. And she's like, Duh, I'll totally keep your gay secret. Um, so now they're gay secret friends. Yay! Which, you know, gotta love. Everyone needs a gay secret friend. Mm-hmm. Everyone. 
At least once. <laughs> if you're listening and you don't have a gay secret friend, then you're a bad friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to say you can email us at bloodhivepodcast at gmail.com and I'll be your gay secret friend. Oh, okay. But no, that's no, you're, no, really no, you're right. Let's shame them instead. That's my. <laughs> no, I'll be your gay secret friend. We just, we already addressed that I like Maribus. Is that what it is? Yeah, not Maribu. A Malbro and Maribu, not in the color yellow. Any other color. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to get you one, but it's going to be a bandage dress, and it's going to be in that petal yellow. <laughs> okay, so now I'm imagining Luna wearing this, and I'm just, like, having flashbacks to that show Zoobly Zoo. I don't Do you know remember Zoobly that show? Oh, my God. It. it was fully, like, grown actors all dressed up like animals. Like I'd totally be into I- that. I promise it was real and not just a fever dream that I'm having. It was like Sesame Street adjacent, but it is was it very real or unhinged. is it a secret that you're telling us right now? <laughs> when I say zoobly zoo, that means okay. <laughs> it's a secret code word. It's like the new handkerchief code, zoobly zoo. Ooh. Speaking of the very gay, Thaisa is literally carrying a bandaged Van, and Van keeps insisting that they leave her behind. And so Thaisa tells everybody else to go back to the cabin, and they'll keep trying to go. And then she, like, falls down with Van. And I'm just kind of like, shouldn't you be taking turns with Van? Like, I don't I don't quite understand their strategy. Again, they're traumatized. Yeah, I think they're traumatized teenagers. And one of them is in love with the person who's injured. And it's probably going to be pretty hard to rip them apart in that moment. Yeah. So you know how y'all were like, oh, that was so cute with Jeff. This was my moment. I was just like, <laughs> I want a girlfriend to carry my wounded body through the woods. <laughs> so like, I was really like, oh, my gosh, that's love. <laughs> I mean, it is love. It was so sweet. You know, I have no upper body strength, so I wouldn't even be able to do that with my partner. I would just be like, oh, well. Drag her. I guess I I have to live a tragic life now not being with you. Just leave me here. Let the wolves get me. Back in 2021, Caligula squawks. I think this is our first actual really good look at Caligula. He's been much vaunted up until this point. And Misty says Caligula is being rude. And J-Rob, Jessica Roberts, um, the journalist, a.k.a. my wife, she tells Misty that her phone is ringing. Misty's phone isn't ringing. It is the phone in Natalie's motel room because Misty still has her uh, owl cam in place back at natalie's motel she sees her like very theatrically like looking at a baggie of cocaine <laughs> you know juliet lewis <laughs> yeah the people who do cocaine often juliet lewis that shit <laughs> misty just freaks out and like immediately tears off up the stairs and she's just saying no 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 over and over and over again uh, <laughs> Misty might be unwell, but she's a good friend. God damn it. <laughs> she's a really good friend, honestly. She's a really good friend. I know people who are in 12-step programs with me who, like, if they saw me doing this, wouldn't come over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or like, they'd, like, they'd be like, well. Check the weather first. <laughs> 
<laughs> or they'd be like, oh, traffic looks bad. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. I'll, maybe I'll text her. Yeah. yeah. I have. So, Kelly, I feel like you are so thorough. I, the question I have is like, what? How far away is, is, is Natalie? I wonder if it's the same thing. Because I'm like, between What's- holding up a bag and doing a line of Coke, I'm like, she got there really quick. Okay, so you know in um, – did you both watch The Haunting of Hill House, the uh-huh. Netflix series? Yeah, of course. Um, well, there's a room in that house that just is whatever the person wants it to be. I think that's this motel. This motel <laughs> is as far away <laughs> from any other character as it needs to be at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Fair. Yeah. Because and just- you know what? I love that. In a yeah. world where teenage girls crash into the wilderness, probably eat each other, definitely start a cult, and have clearly fucked one another, <laughs> that's fine. The motel can be wherever the fuck they want. Oh, and there's ghosts. Anyway, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> also, it could be that Juliette Lewis slash Nat just danced around with that huge bag of Coke for like 45 minutes before putting it down. There is something kind of wholesome about that image to me. Like, okay, I'm so excited about this cocaine that I am just going to bask in the anticipation of the cocaine. Very rare that that actually would happen, I think. But I like to think that somebody is doing it right now. Somebody could be doing it right now. Back in 1996, speaking of people who are going to be doing it, Jackie's at the lake and she's watching Travis check a fishing net without a shirt on. Immediately, I was like, oh, she's going to fuck him. Like, I just, it was so clearly a parallel back to the episode with the lake where everybody was like looking at shirtless Travis and Jackie was scoffing at them. I was like, yeah, give it a few months, Jackie. You'll be begging begging for that horrible floppy 90s haircut in your face (laughs) there's something about a middle part that is like the opposite of erotic i hate it i hate it i feel like middle parts in general like came back in the last year and i'm like they did why i I just it's so unforgiving the children have to learn for themselves we can (laughs) we can tell them whatever we want but they have to learn for themselves. You have to make the mistakes yourself. That's that's it. That's what I tell mm-hmm. myself every time I see my toddler reaching for an open flame. He's just got to learn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't let him do that. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure he reaches regardless, Maggie. Like Yeah. Yeah. You can't you can't stop every open flame from existing. <laughs> um yeah, and you know, I hopefully the children will learn more quickly because, you know, when we were younger, information didn't move as quickly because nobody had a smartphone. Right. So, you know, hopefully the half life on a trend is much shorter now. I hope so. Yeah, they can cyber bully each other out of it much faster <laughs> than they can Aww. do that in the playground. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I was like, I have to say, I'm I'm kinda okay. I was raised uh on jonathan taylor thomas so like <laughs> yeah but I, like you, you know have to be jonathan taylor thomas level beautiful for a middle part to be acceptable just the same way where you have to be jonathan taylor thomas beautiful in order to wear a bandage dress <laughs> i am totally gonna mail jonathan taylor thomas a bandage dress make sure yeah. it's petal yellow <laughs> <laughs> i need this fan art yesterday <laughs> 
Jackie's like, Travis, how come you're not on hunting? Did something happen with Natalie? And Travis is like, oh, I really fucked up. And Jackie takes a turn into nihilism that I really support. <laughs> and, you know, because she's just found out that Shauna is pregnant with Jeff's baby. <laughs> and she's just like, whatever. Relationships are bullshit. And Nat's standards are really low. And we find out that Nat was screwing a Bobby in his gross van. Turns out it was Bobby Farley, the guy who christened Travis Flex back in the day. And this is such an accurate, like, teenage boy reaction Mm -hmm. where it's like, how dare she have sex with this person that she didn't know harmed me in this before we were friends even before we were friends (laughs) you should have known yeah i felt it was also an adult male reaction unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) um I'm like, oh, you know, I really don't hang out with that many adult men anymore. So, so you're like, I wouldn't know, but in fiction that holds up. Yeah, absolutely. Stop bragging, Kelly. <laughs> Look, uh, it's a decision that I made and it has served me pretty well. She's got three fingers down on a monkey paw and all of them were just make men leave me alone. <laughs> In 2021, Nat has finished Juliet Lewising around and is about to snort several fat rails of cocaine. And this is one of the best scenes in the entire show. We will never be able to recreate it and do it justice. But uh, Misty bursts in and like snorts the cocaine. <laughs> Why did she do that? Wait, when you could just knock it everywhere. She's not smart. But she is smart. She is smart, but she's a scared for her friend. She's not in her usual calculate. Like, if she had had three days notice that Nat was going to do cocaine, she would have had a meticulous plan. That's true. And she would have, like, shot the drug dealer. She's she's a plotter, not a pantser. Or, yeah, exactly. A plotter, yeah. not a pantser. So, yeah. like, okay, fine. So, But there she's... are so many easier ways to get rid of drugs than up your nose. However. How, well, again, this, I don't know what this says about me and, like, what I see as love. But I'm like, this really spoke to me. I was like, <laughs> a friend who was like, no, I will snort this cocaine for you so you don't relapse. Luna, I'm getting the sense that you like physical sacrifice on your on your behalf. You're like, I want you to carry me bodily through the woods. I want you to take the drugs I would have taken. Yeah, you know that is. Thank you, Maggie. I feel so seen, and I I don't I don't know why that is. Like, can we add that to a love language? Like, can we? I was add- gonna say you should definitely put that on your Hinge profile. Acts of physical sacrifice. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You know, I can tell you about another guy who loved acts of physical Ooh. sacrifice. His name was Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, I, it all probably comes back to my super Christian root upbringing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every time I try to trace like, ooh, where do my fantasies come from? Oh, God damn it. There, you know. So that is literally, literally, yeah. goddammit. I mean, the crucifixion skink is pretty on the nose, but otherwise, I'd say you're hiding it pretty well. <laughs> so they they have this tug of war with the baggie of cocaine, which explodes, and Misty just like covers up Nat's entire face and is like, "Don't breathe that! Don't breathe that!" And I just. 
it's just it's so ridiculous and I love it so much I love these two I think it's nice when they remind like because the teenage girls are doing some pretty goofy shit now and again there's like a lot of comic relief in their storyline and so I love it when they put like a straight up slapstick moment Mm -hmm. in the adult storyline and this is one of like the best moments for that plus Christina Ricci can we talk about how good of a physical actress she is because the way that she busts into this scene is deranged (laughs) and I love and support her for it maybe I'm overlooking previous entries in her oeuvre but I'm like I don't feel like I've seen her in a role this physical almost ever okay but did you watch when she played Lizzie Borden no okay first of all it's really hot and second of all (laughs) her murder face is a lot and she has to like murder people with an axe and it's great I was going to say, isn't that pretty gay? Because uh, It's like so that. gay. It's I one like of those that. movies you watch and you're like, I see. I'm only attracted to women now. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's, just, it's solid work. Great. Well, if my resolve of not hanging out with adult men wavers, I know <laughs> the cure. You do. It's already there. Uh, we cut from this heartwarming scene of codependence back to 1996 <laughs> for a less heartwarming scene of codependence. Travis gets back to the cabin and not, you know, fortified by her chat with Coach. He's like, Travis isn't gay. She's like, all right, he's not gay. Time to shoot my shot. And he just says, Bobby Farley. She asks who told him. She correctly guesses it was Jackie because she's the only evil person here. (laughs) And initially, I missed that it was the Bobby Farley connection. Initially, I thought he was just mad because she had said she had only had sex with two guys. I think it was the, like, the salt in the wound is what did it. It was the salt in the wound. Then also, I assumed that Bobby was the older guy she met at the concert. So it doesn't really matter to me how many people Nat had sex with because Travis is just being a real dickweed about this. Like, who can keep track of who gave each other what? stupid nicknames in middle school like i know exactly who named me pocahontas and then princess <gasps> what okay sorry but yes i remember both of the origins of those nicknames i think you do remember i think okay. if it's like the kind of thing that like follows you you remember the pocahontas okay. one was pretty ra- is just as racist as you were thinking by the way no mm. i am not indigenous i'm just another type of <laughs> black-haired brown-skinned person <laughs> Oh, my God. Was it Donald Trump? No, it was uh, fucking Nick Abrams. I was like, name, (laughs) names, name, 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 (laughs) names, name, names. Nick Abrams is at home right now going like, what the fuck? (laughs) I was leaning in. I mean, people can't see me, but I literally was leaning in before Kelly was like, name, names. I'm like, and Maggie, go on. Who was it? Can we eat them is my question. For sure. Both of the guys who gave me those nicknames, separate incidents, should be eaten. Okay. They're middle school incarnations anyway. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it sounds like they're uh, cis guys, so I'm fine holding their crimes against them forever. (laughs) At any rate, Nat says she made a mistake. And I'm like... Did you? Did you, girl? Is your mistake that you had sex with a guy with a van? Because that's just convenient. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. Were you expecting somebody with a credit card? You're 17. You can't go to a hotel yet. (laughs) Also, Travis, one of you needs to know what they're doing. And Mm -hmm. you clearly don't. I know. There's nothing sadder than virgins losing their virginity together. Let's be real. I know that that's like the Christian ideal, and I think that that's worst case scenario. You want one person who's put on a condom before. I mean, that 
is why for so many years, like, men would take their sons to brothels to be like, well, your wife is going to be a complete fucking nincompoop when it comes to this. So you got to learn. I mean, you know, there are other reasons like sexism and exploitation of women. But it was just like somebody needed to know so that they could, like, get someone pregnant. I'm marinating on that. And at the same time, <laughs> 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 you're like, you know, that's why dads take their sons to brothels. I mean, sorry, I was referring more to like the 1800s, but maybe that's still going both on needed today. time to emotionally adjust to this new reality. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it was like Catcher in the Rye or something. Didn't it happen anyway? But I it, no, he just he got a prostitute and didn't have sex with her, and that was when I was like, I will never forgive you, Holden Caulfield. What a waste of space. <laughs> I thought I was going to get to read a sex book in school. You ruined everything, Holden. (laughs) He just wanted to talk. (laughs) This conversation is reminding me that, like, for a big part of my 20s, it was literally my goal. I can, first time I'm publicly sharing this, but I really wanted to break someone's virginity or ease someone Mm -hmm. into the world Mm -hmm. of sex. I was so excited about that. But, like, because I was just like, I think I'd be a great guide into the world of sex. Um, um, that has did never you do happened. it? No, I've never I had sex with a virgin. I was going to say, name names. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had sex with a virgin. and I. It's not great, Luna. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it ends and you're like, high five to me. That was some fun <laughs> sex. You're like, glad we got that out of the way. Maybe next time we'll be better. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you can actually log that as community service if you are like convicted of a crime. you did a hundred hours of deflowering adult virgins that's amazing oh god so uh i guess that travis and nat are broken up now and she says that it would have been much harder if they'd actually fucked and sophie thatcher's face is incredible in this scene just like the crestfallenness. Mm-hmm. Um, it was rude, frankly. I was like, wow, it's me. <laughs> and uh, Jackie kind of like stumbles in from the woods and Nat's just kind of like glaring at her because she had asked like, oh, was it Jackie? And then Jackie was like, oh, did somebody say my name? Oh, oh, well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. See, this is a moment where, and maybe this is like if Luna was there, right? <laughs> if Luna was on Team Yellow Jackets, uh, Jackie would have got these hands. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a prime time for, for a physical fight to break out, I think. You know, like Jackie yeah. had it coming in that moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's where I'm going to take a very unpopular stance. <gasps> I'm a Jackie apologist. <laughs> Tell me more. I think it is true that Jackie is the worst amongst the Yellow Jackets in the wilderness. But I would also argue that she is a person who has been incorrectly given the burden of leadership by men who do not actually understand the complexity of female relationships, mm. finds herself wanting at the task, and fails. And I don't think that it's 100% her own fault. I don't think that she's been equipped for it. 
none of them have been, but I think she's been given an extra burden, which is that the coach is like, oh yeah, you're a leader. You have influence over these girls. When what he really means is like, you're the prettiest and most popular of them. I assume that that gives you the most social currency and therefore imbues you with some sense of understanding of your peers, which is not true. She's just a clueless, pretty girl who's an idiot, like the fucking rest of them, who's has the added thing of being told like you're in charge and so she tries but she is just not good at it i feel like that's why in a lot of ways tysa is extra motivated to kind of prove herself as a leader is because she knows that jackie is not equipped for this and jackie knows she knows there's like a lot of really wonderful kind of minute interactions that happen between specifically between tysa and jackie around her leadership or around their their various like strengths of leadership basically and I don't know. I feel for Jackie. Like, I think the other girls have a right to be annoyed with her. But I think, like, she's a well-written, complex enough character that I feel such a sadness for her because I see the way that she was put into this situation by adults who also were not aware that it was going to end up being something that had so much weight put on it. I I can empathize with her where she loses me. Because I think you're correct, but I don't think, you know, from the time that they crash, like, nobody takes her seriously as a leader, basically, at all. Well, she's the one who throws the doom coming party. She is. She's the social director, though. Like, yeah, she's but that's not... the only way she's been taught to lead before. That's the True. only way that she's ever had to before. Like, she organizes them at the party and, like, mm-hmm. makes them all apologize to each other in a way that doesn't actually mean anything, but that, like, calms them down in the meantime. And I thought that was such a brilliant scene for exactly that reason. And so, like, they they do. And I think they extra resent her because they know that that's all she's capable of. And what they really need is somebody who knows what they're doing. And the problem is that none of them know. True. So actually where I was really going was just she treats Shauna so shabbily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what we see in this episode and what we've seen, you know, her sort of um, persistent slut shaming and bullying mm-hmm. of Natalie, mm-hmm. where it's like where she could actually exercise leadership in this very, um, you know, in the arena of like social dynamics, like she chooses violence every single time. <laughs> I was just going to say, and I, I, Maggie, you're so profound in your exploration of, <laughs> of Jackie. And I feel like that's why she still needs to get these hands because, <laughs> because of that entitlement where she's like walking through the world with like this pretty privilege where she hasn't mm-hmm. experienced truly the full consequences of her actions. Right. Yeah. And so I think at some point in time, I feel like in real life, like it, a fight would have broken out a physical fight would have broken out quicker with Jackie just being snarky and snide and bullying. Like, like, yeah, like she's bullying people. She's slut shaming. Yeah. She's doing all these things. And it's just like, girl, we in the wilderness. Ain't nobody going to break me off of you if I slap you, you know? <laughs> I also think that that would have been a more proportional response than what does happen to her. True. Like, I think that's, that's like, the punishment she actually deserves. Is like, she should probably just catch some hands in her face and be exactly. like, oh, I'm sore, and this is embarrassing, and I hurt, and I'm humiliated, yeah. as opposed to straight up death. Like, that would have been fair. Catch these hands, go sit in the corner, you know? Yeah. <laughs> think about why this happened to you. <laughs> and maybe she makes some changes to the way that she behaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we know, she's not going to listen to us. So <laughs> it's too bad because I'm right all the time. <laughs> I love that for you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're right. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back in 2021, Misty is checking her pulse and like trying to like be a nurse. I love Misty. About her physical reaction to cocaine. Fucking just a child in an adult's body. I love her. <laughs> Nat yells, you just wasted $300 worth of blow. Again, iconic line reading, A, I will Venmo you. (laughs) And B, I couldn't just sit there and watch you destroy your life. And your brains out. Nat finally realizes there's a camera in the owl. Like, I just, I would never accept a gift from Misty Quigley. Never. I would, I would have to send it off to a lab for inspection. (laughs) Okay, this is how I know I'm a fucking idiot who would die in one of these situations. Not only would I accept a gift from Misty Quigley, there's no way that I would have put together that there was a camera. And owl. <laughs> I would have just been like, how would you know? This is we- uncanny. Uncanny. <laughs> okay, not only are you a sociopath, you're psychic? Yeah, I, that's so weird. I don't know how you, I guess I'll just never know. It's interesting to me that Misty allowed her, she's such a schemer that she would say that in that moment and reveal her cards. Like, I couldn't watch you do it. Like, I mean, she did just do a fat line of blow. She, she did do a fat line of blow. That is correct. It does make you into a talker, you know? <laughs> that's true. Misty points out to Natalie, and I don't think she's wrong, that she, Misty, is probably the best friend that Nat has right now. Grim. Woof. Misty's the best friend anybody has right now. (laughs) (laughs) Misty would definitely carry you through the forest, Luna. Yeah. Yeah. She gets my love language. If she couldn't do it, she would just snort somebody else's drugs to give her superhuman strength. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Misty is like... Basically alluding to the fact that she has kidnapped this woman (laughs) and has her in the basement. That's how she's been working day and night on Travis's case. Natalie wants to know how she can trust Misty. I mean, great question. How can you? But also, what's your alternative at this point? I feel pretty confident that this scene is probably going to be Christina Ricci's Emmy submission. Um, It's just, it's so showy. And like, there's been so much awards buzz around her in this role. And like, this almost has to be it. Because it's just so ludicrous. I think every scene with Misty Quigley as <laughs> is incredible in general. <laughs> yes, attention everyone. The Emmys this year have been canceled. We are giving every award to Misty Quigley. Not Christina Ricci, just Misty Quigley. And I want to shout out, I want to take this moment. I know, I know she's not like like heavily mentioned, like uh, shown in the show, but baby Misty. <gasps> Incredible. Incredible. I Incredible love casting. I love her. She's so intense. Her <laughs> quivering need for approval and love is so beautifully played. And when she starts singing breakfast at Tiffany's to coach Ben while she's trying to, he's <laughs> trying to take a shit is up there for like, how I know I will never be as good a writer as I I'd like to think I am is because I would never think of a scene as perfect as that one. <laughs> I mean, potentially an idea for a future book, Maggie. Uh, everybody sings Breakfast at Tiffany's while pooping. <laughs> Only the sociopaths do, Kelly. It's just it's just people through history singing <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's while they take a dump. The Sudeikis are eating tater tots and meat of some kind. I want to say mystery meat, but that could have too many implications. It looks like a pretty standard, normal kind of meat that people would eat. I mean, she hasn't killed Adam yet, so we can assume that it's 
wholesome meat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but is it another rabbit? Like, what's going on with her? And the doorbell rings, and Shauna and Callie are both like, uh-oh, it's Adam coming back at dinner time to get his money clip. I'm like, don't you have his phone number, Shauna? Can't you just, like, text him? And anyway, when she goes out into the entryway, it's Thaisa, and they pretend they haven't seen each other for 25 years, which I thought was so strange if they're both living in this town. But we don't get a sense of, like, when did Thaisa and Simone move here? Because we know we're going to find out shortly that Thaisa did go to school and interned in New York City at a law mm-hmm. firm mm-hmm. but jeff is like oh stay for a weird tater tot dinner <laughs> they go for a walk and thais is like hey so i've been sleepwalking like from before and our dog is missing uh this is the reveal that the dog was missing and i flipped out i was like oh my god that dog bit her what did she do to that dog mm. and she's fighting sobs i love tawny cypress in this role so much like i feel like she doesn't get any love from anybody because Taisa is so buttoned down but i think she gives such a heartbreaking performance and i just i relate to her so much as somebody who loves to control things and then sometimes sleepwalks i don't actually sleepwalk <laughs> but i just want to be cool as a fellow state senator candidate i really <laughs> I really feel like they brought light to the cutthroat world of state legislature. I think season two is going to give us some amazing Tawny moments because the end of season one ends with some great face acting from her. It's true. She's, to me, she's like kind of like, I'm honestly, like I'm so like full conspiracy theory. I'm like, they're like reactivating her by sending her the signal and she is like programmed to like flip into this other mode. I don't know. I'm like, I think so too. I think it's possible. And I also think she could have been like my theory. This is my hope is that somewhere Van is out there (laughs) messaging Thaisa like every month, sending her love letters, you know, and they're connected and, and they're just like in it together. That's my hope. I love that. I hope that's true, too, because I'm here for Tyson and Van forever. No matter if they're like a murderous cult pair, like, I don't care. Get your zhuzh. Do what you got to yeah. do. Live and your you know dream. why? Because love is love is love is love. <laughs> love loves to love love. <laughs> I'm just really enjoying this, like, an American tale, like, somewhere out there. <laughs> I just feel like, are you tired of the same old lesbian dramas? <laughs> like, I What's so go. great about Ty and Van, I mean, and who knows what the future holds, but it's like, oh, are we not going to fridge either of these lesbians? Yeah, it could be Amazing. really exciting. Yeah, You could both live? I would love that yeah. for you and all lesbians. <laughs> so Thaisa is fighting tears and she's explaining about the bad one and how Sammy has seen her sleepwalking she's like she's afraid to go to sleep and she's been pounding espressos all day to stay in control and shauna's like well my horrible daughter is at her friend's house why don't you just (laughs) sleep in her room and i'll stay with you and it's just i'm like oh i love this adult friendship two things i want to say i just love shauna's realness of like i don't like my child I'm not going to name any names. I know we're naming names, but just like name, name. <laughs> being friends with mothers now who have older children, Maggie, like just being able to hear like parents say, yeah, my child's an asshole and I don't like them all the time. Is someone who's a parent other than my mom who says that is like really nice to hear. 
My child is turns two in like two weeks, and sometimes I do not like him. Like it's just a fact. When you have to live that on top of someone, and they're like learning how to be people the hard way, which is the only way to learn <sighs> by grabbing open flames, grabbing open flames, grabbing your hair. He thinks it's really funny to tweak my nipples. I don't like that Ow! in that moment. I take a bath with him, and it's like most of the time we like, we snuggle, we wash, we sing little songs. And then one time he did it, and I laughed out of surprise, and now he thinks it's hilarious, and it's not hilarious. It is very painful. He already ruined them by breastfeeding. (laughs) I'm just saying, I think if you got any parent to do real talk with you, they would admit that there are moments where they're like, you little shit. Well, what what is fascinating to me as a childless adult who will be remaining that way, because uh, I love that for most people. Well, after um, I forget which Supreme Court brouhaha, I was like, oh, they're going to take away abortion. I'm getting sterilized. Like, we're not taking these chances. So I did. I got my fallopian tubes removed in October. Great choice. Very happy about it. But all my friends with kids, they love to tell their friends without kids all of the bad shit because it's so competitive with other parents. Where it's like, oh, I can't say this to the moms at my kid's school mm. because we're all in like a competition and a fight. I'm like, okay, like oh, that sounds sorry. wild. I talk. That's like the only thing I talk to other parents about. We're like, what'd your little <laughs> shit do today? Like, because it's a given. You know, you all love them, and so it's like with mm-hmm. other parents that you can be the most frank. Usually, where you're like, he shit in the bath while I was in there with him, and I felt it. That's- I felt it on my leg in the water where my vagina was. Like. <laughs> Exactly. You guys are horrified. I tell that to other parents. They're like, (laughs) okay, so maybe my friends need better friends. Probably. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that they just need friend like other moms and dads who they like make eye contact with from across the playground. And they're like, do you want to get a drink? That's a unique. Um, back in 1996, Misty, Akila, and Mari get back to the cabin, and Laura Lee basically somehow they they are like, oh, like Taisa and Van are in trouble. Um, Laura Lee is like, show us where to go. They all go into the woods with lanterns. This is this is very slapdash. I'm like, how did all of this happen? But they see a soft boom in the closed captions it's a soft boom <laughs> from the flare gun and everybody gets there and they see how badly van is doing and then i guess you know somehow they get her back to the cabin akila the mvp of this crew <laughs> has to sew up her face with no anesthetic i'm like where did you get this surgical needle what is where is all What's this coming happening? from <laughs> Either way, like, I know nobody's making any money here, but Akila deserves a raise. Like, we need to give her an extra ration of acorns or whatever is going on here. Because it's just like, I feel like she is really punching above her weight compared to everybody else here. Even Misty. Yeah. Who took the Red Cross babysitter's course twice. Maybe Misty broke down some, like, here's how you give stitches. Mm. But I think my my assumption was that Akila like got like a sewing badge in um, Girl Scouts. You do learn how to sew in Girl Scouts, like yeah. that's that's real. I mean, not faces. That's not what they have you practice on. But like, <laughs> I don't know. Is their membership dropping? Maybe if they offered that. <laughs> like my complaint about Girl Scouts is always like the Boy Scouts get to like set things on fire and race cars. 
That's true. The Boy Scouts also got like molested a lot more often. Yeah, they, they sure molested. did. So I don't know. I think we're doing great. They were like, hey, <laughs> put all of your emotions into this fire. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, this is an upsetting scene because Van is screaming and everybody is very upset. I would be upset. I wouldn't want to be here. I'd go outside. Yeah. yeah. Where's the alcohol? Did they give her alcohol? I don't remember. I think they were out of it at this Ooh. point. They were out of Natalie's alcohol. <sighs> Rough. And uh, <laughs> back in the present, Shauna and Thais are just putting sheets on Callie's bed. Callie has a poster that says, keep calm and marry Harry. Like, I'm like, you mean Prince Harry? Harry Styles? I don't know who the children are trying to marry. Probably Harry Styles. Okay. Okay. Which feels a little dated for me, you know? Like, yeah, it does. Although I think I'm pretty sure it's his birthday today. We're recording this on February the 1st. And Twitter informed me against my will that it is his birthday. I love how you revealed that at the end when you're like, I'm pretty sure it's his birthday. I was like, ooh, Kelly, is there, are you a Harry Styles (laughs) big fan? No, I don't get it. I don't (laughs) understand why people like him. I'm like, was he was in that group? Whole song about cunnilingus. What's not to like? I'm not like a Harry Styles stan or whatever. I don't follow him on anything. But like when people like him, I'm like, yeah, sure. Like like the boy who wears dresses and writes about eating puss. He sounds great. I get it. Yeah. But like, I don't. It just it feels like wow. Like that's that's the statement poster that she's chosen. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like she wouldn't have a poster like that. Like if you're like a mean like party girl in high school you're not gonna have like a keep calm marry harry like that's like a very like i'm in a book club kind of poster i feel like she would have like i don't know something else i'm like racking my brain for like a contemporary reference i don't know i feel like there'd be like a billy eilish poster somewhere in there i don't know if there'd be like a this is who i'm standing right now or who i want to Mary, I'm a middle-aged uh, woman. I do not know. <laughs> yeah, just be pictures of her friends and shit. Yeah, well, and there's, I feel like maybe there is a world where, like, she told Shauna one time that she liked Harry Styles, mm-hmm. and Shauna was at, like, TJ Maxx. And yeah, it's a poster that teenage Shauna would have, not, yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Callie's basically never home. So for all we know, Shauna's just like, well, I'm just going to decorate it how I like it. So that when I come in here to masturbate to pictures of her boyfriend, I have something nice to look at. It's a real testament to this show that I forgot about that. Thanks for bringing that back, Maggie. No, like, I'll never forgive her. It was upsetting. I'm actually grateful that we've never seen that guy again because when he came in and was talking to her and like, oh, looking good, Mrs. S, I'm like, don't encourage her, young man. Ugh. (laughs) Ugh. So Sean is asking Thaisa, she thinks about what life would be like if they hadn't crashed because she was going to go to Brown and write papers on Dorothy Parker and Virginia Woolf. Like pretty low hanging fruit. Uh, She wanted to meet a floppy haired, sad eyed poet who would fall in love with her. And then she would break his heart because she would meet a guy named Francois. Who's a mime. I'm sorry. Mine. <laughs> like this is one of the most unhinged things that we've learned about Shauna. <laughs> Not that it's a French guy named Francoise, but that he was a mine. And Thaisa says, you know, oh, I was gonna go to Har I was gonna go to Howard for pre-law with a double major in history and philosophy. I was gonna date a bunch of beautiful women, make first string soccer team, graduate first in my class, go to Columbia Law, land an internship in one of the biggest firms in the city. And she actually did all of that. She did all of those things. 
And she says that none of those things felt real. Mm -hmm. And they hold hands. It's very sweet. I, You know, I believe it. I feel like once you have been part of a cannibal cult. Yeah. Coming back to, you know, quote unquote society is, I don't know that it's that it's going to pale in comparison, but it's just like. You're going to be missing that visceral drive for survival. I also love this because I saw, so everybody has their own coping mechanism and high achievement is its own, right? And Mm -hmm. I I think what COVID taught me was just like, oh, (laughs) I've had anxiety this whole time, but I just achieve, I'm like, I got to achieve things all the time. And that's where it hides. And, you know, I think with Thaisa, that's like, her coping mechanism is like yeah. knocking things off the, the list of to-dos. It doesn't mm-hmm. like heal her in any way. She was like that before they crashed. And I think that it's like the thing that makes her feel normal still. It's like, mm-hmm. I've just always been an achiever. And if I just keep achieving, it's like this didn't touch me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would actually argue that for everyone that we have met, they are living a life that is probably exactly the life they would have lived had they not crashed because Shauna was pregnant before Mm. going to college. You know, who knows if she would have decided to keep the baby or not in that situation, but it's like, okay, well maybe she was going to be a teen mom and be a homemaker with this guy who is an heir to a failing furniture store. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, Misty going into healthcare and being completely unhinged that makes a lot of sense and nat had substance abuse problems before they crashed so it feels to me like for none of them they haven't you know the crash hasn't impacted them in external ways or ways that other people would see even though it is obvious in every interaction they have with other people and i'm just thinking about in episode five when callie is rolling and she's talking to shauna and she's like mom you're not okay. And I can see that. I can't believe you can't, you don't know that I can't see that. There's just, you know, it's like, there's something wrong. It's like the description of that pilot episode where they're doing their best impressions of well-adjusted people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, they all were like, well, I'm just going to live adjacent to the expectations I had for myself before we crashed because to do anything different would be to admit how much it changed me. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to uh, have an entire campaign speech um, (laughs) about this show. It was very profound. I will send that to the Emmys. (laughs) I'll send it to the Emmys and be like, you got to give every award to Misty quickly now. (laughs) No, you're right. And it, it, I got to talk about Simone for a second Mm -hmm. because I feel like as a partner to Thaisa, being that close to her, I feel like there would, there would be more kind of acknowledgement of that trauma. And I just don't really see that. (laughs) I, their relationship frustrates me so much because I love this pairing. Mm -hmm. I have a huge crush on the woman playing Simone. So she cute. I'm, Admittedly a little biased, but like... like, She's so hot. How could this not be the perfect relationship? (laughs) And I'm single for a reason. Uh, (laughs) What? Being shallow didn't solve everything? Okay. (laughs) But 
you know, she's so quick, you know, with Sammy, his issue, she's like, let's get him into therapy. Mm-hmm. And even later this episode, when she finds out about the sleepwalking, she's like, we'll get you into a sleep study. And it's just like, okay, but like, what is it that you can't address this head on with Thaisa? Because at, even after they've gone to therapy with Sammy, you know, Thaisa is so dismissive of therapy and all of these things. So it's like, we just don't get that texture in their relationship. So I have a theory about their relationship. Ooh. Not like a fan theory, like a psychological theory. <laughs> <laughs> call it whatever you want, Megan. Yeah. Call it whatever you want. So like, you know, when they're lying down together and Shauna's like, I'm having an affair. And she's like, he makes me feel it. And she's like, does Simone make you feel it? And Thaisa's just like, no. I get very like excuse me, but Barack and Michelle vibes from them of like they love each other and they respect each other, but they don't have that like light my fire, passionate love affair thing going on. There's like a lot of sort of like calculation in the way that they have found one another and the way that Taisa has built her life is like you would be the perfect spouse for me in this world that I want to go into. Wow. I what I heard from that is that you don't think Barack and Michelle are fucking cuz I think they definitely are. <laughs> I think they are, but I did also I... hear some hot goss Ooh. about his previous girlfriend to Michelle who he wouldn't marry because she was JA like me, she was mixed, and because he knew that it was politically disadvantageous to be in an interracial interracial relationship. And so I do think that he loves Michelle and that they like respect each other and that they're fucking. But I do think that there's like a certain like calculation when you go into any relationship with a certain amount of calculation where it's more about there's like a huge part of you that is dedicated to the path you want to create for yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's like rooted to your ambition. That's a different kind of love than like, I'm just in love and I don't care who you are or how convenient you are. Like, I'm going to love you and I'm going to build my life around this relationship as opposed to I'm going to build my life and I'm going to find the relationship that fits that best. I think that those are very different types of things. And I feel like that's where Simone and Taisa are. And that's why Tice is having this weird sort of guarded relationship with her because she's like, you're supposed mm. to be my partner while I'm perfect and I'm not perfect. So you need to go away. Mm. that's so fat i just gotta go back to the obamas real quick (laughs) sorry bad example it was was like a one-to-one thing not a one-to-one thing i I understand it's just my my impression of the obamas has always been that like barack was like and i'm so sorry for describing it this way uh mr former potus and mrs former flotus uh I always saw him as being super like pussy drunk on her and like he was obsessed with her and she was like, okay, that's cute. Um, I think that that is also probably And that there's true. genuine love there, but like he is much more enthusiastic. Like, I don't know. Basically, he's like, he's more into her than she is into him. Like she's into him, but mm. he is just like, just I have a whole- his previous relationship was like incredibly tumultuous and they were like fucking all the time like loudly and like obnoxiously to everyone who lived around them and I'm like fighting so sorry and, like, that luna's facial expression will not be captured <laughs> i'm just saying like i think that there are different kinds of love and different kinds I, of sex and fucking true and, like you but know i think that i i totally believe that but i think as someone i consider myself to be a sex witch which is I feel like I can look at someone and tell how they be fucking like that is Mm -hmm. my very specific witch power. And I think that Barack Obama just be fucking like that in general. 
And so I'm not surprised to hear that. You think? I think. Still, Still. I don't get those vibes from him anymore. I feel that like young Barack, when you watch speeches, you're like, yeah, that's a guy who like gets at it. And now you see him and you're like, that's a guy who outsources. Look at Michelle. If you look at, no, if you look at Michelle Obama, she has the glow of someone who is receiving orgasms on a regular basis. That could be like self orgasms. But she also has the glow of somebody who be fucking. Like, I just... It's, That's it's, true. It's nobody strong. wear. Do you remember those boots she came out with, like the minute left office come of the like on. the sparkly? I forget what does. I feel like they were Yves Saint Laurent boots that like go all the way yes. up to her ass. To the thigh. Yeah, those are boots that somebody who's fucking wears, and I do recognize that. <laughs> like I rec- I recognize and I respect that, and I shouldn't have even brought the Obamas into it. I just always think of them <laughs> for like those relationships where like they love each other, but also there is something very um, sensible about their relationship and their choice in one another. On that note, we can go back to Simona Taisa. Not fucking. Yeah, really, really <laughs> Not quickly. Fucking. Really quickly. Um, Brock and Michelle, if you are listening, <laughs> which you know you are, please email bloodhivepodcast at gmail.com to confirm or deny. I almost want to ask you to take all of this out. It was a bad example. I just mean uh-uh. political uh-uh. relationships that look fantastic. Listen, I should have said the Clintons. <laughs> I, ooh. No. Well, which is a ooh. totally different thing. But see, it that's is, a totally different thing. There has to totally, be like, yeah. love at the center of it, which I feel yes. like the Obamas have. Yeah, and Jeffrey Epstein can't be involved Mm-mm. at all. Mm-mm. No, that's a fact. Um, that's a fact. Yeah, that's yeah. a fact. If your political marriage has ever been in the same room as Jeffrey Epstein, I'm sorry for you. Don't get to play we anyway. Uh, bring it back, Luna, the sex witch. They're not fucking. Is what I'm, is what I'm hearing. Yes, Tyson. Oh, definitely not. If you have any questions while I'm here on who, who's fucking and not, I can also answer. I feel like I need my own crystal ball or like a hotline of like, are they fucking? No, but yes, back to Thais and Simone. Definitely not fucking. Definitely mm-hmm. not. Might be years, I might say. That is so upsetting to me because I've been critical of the show for not showing us more hot lesbian sex. And to find out from you, a certified sex witch, certified, that it might be a character choice and they're not fucking. But that doesn't mean we're not going to get hot lesbian sex. True. Oh, that's true. I know. Like, I know it's in the mail, but I just I feel like we've seen a lot more heterosex. Mm. I know it's disappointing how much heterosexual sex we've seen in a show about a group of teenage girls who crashed into the wilderness with only one alive heterosexual boy. <laughs> I'm sorry, too. I yeah. forgot about Hoovy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I love it in my head. I just continue to see the Yellow Jackets as a lesbian drama. And I just. No, I know. I'm just like. Yeah. Anytime. Well, and also just like anytime we've had people on this podcast who aren't at least like queer in some way, I'm like, oh, I just assumed that if you weren't before, this show turned you. <laughs> it's going to be the root for a lot of people. Let's it be is. real. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> to the writers, we need, we definitely need more lesbian sex in season two. Yeah. Yeah. We want it on screen and we want it explicit. <laughs> we want it really explicit. I really just do want to shout out like Jasmine Savoy Brown for doing topless. I think uh, Liv Hewson 
must have had a clause in their contract that was like, I'm not going to show any nipple. Which fair. Yeah. I also just want to say I'm using the word lesbian uh, very broadly. I just generally consider everyone is a lesbian. Mm. <laughs> so some of these women on the show might be queer uh, or, or bi. I'm, I'm not ruling out a lesbian sex scene with Shauna is what I'm saying. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, Shauna is definitely bi. Shauna and Jackie are gay for each other. Yeah, yeah that yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody gay. Canon. Everybody's <laughs> gay. The fact that there isn't more fucking is what's very confusing. And the fact that they had to like contrive a reason for fucking what's his name, Travis, to be in the middle of their orgy was so goofy. It was like, girls, put down the knife and just fuck each other. You'll yeah. like it even better. I swear. <laughs> right. Anyway, okay, so. <laughs> Nat is putting on face cream as she's on the phone with the bank. Uh, She's on her landline, which I thought was so fucking weird. That's the thing that struck you as weird in this scene? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Everything else completely relatable. (laughs) She is on the phone with the bank. So Misty let slip to her that the day after Travis died, uh, somebody cleaned out his bank account, which, as we know, she extorted that information from J-Rob. And I'm curious what time it is, what day it is, because it's like this is being contrasted with Shauna and Thais's sleepover. And I'm like, how late is this fucking bank open? (laughs) We find out later that it is a local bank. So I'm just like, what is going on here? And she asks to speak to the person's manager. And she finally just snaps and like throws the phone and the TV and the chair around the room and is screaming, uh, do you believe in true love? And I'm like, this is so upsetting to me to watch. And then she finds the carpet cocaine. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, you didn't get down there and sniff around as soon as Misty left because that's what a real cokehead would do. Yeah. Like no disrespect. I mean, I also wondered like maybe it was like in a fold of the bed cover or something and like in her flipping around things happen. So she's definitely going to snort that, that carpet cocaine. <laughs> Listen, as someone who's eaten a lot of things off the floor, I can't really judge. <laughs> it costs $300. Yeah. Yeah. And once Misty Venmo's her, like that's pure profit right up that nose. That's true. <laughs> Sounds like that's free cocaine to me. <laughs> Speak of the devil, Misty gets back to uh, the basement out of her house. And somehow Jessica Roberts has gotten a hold of Caligula and she's holding him. And she's, she says that she'll wring his neck if Misty doesn't let her go. Misty says, fine, I'll just get another one, which shocked me to my core. I was like, what? Like, I knew you were a sociopath, Misty, but I thought you really loved Caligula. (laughs) You didn't see that as a lie straight out. I saw it as a lie. Most of the lies that people have told on this show I have clocked, but this one I was just like, (gasps) but then luckily it is proved to be a lie because she starts screaming and throwing things until J-Rob just lets go of Caligula and she's apologizing. She's just like, I'm so sorry, my baby boy. I didn't mean it. And I'm like, oh no, she loves that parrot too much now. <laughs> like I was disturbed in one way that you didn't care about the parrot. And now I'm much more disturbed that you call him baby boy. I This podcast is notoriously anti-bird person. Oh, sorry, I was about to people. say bird people. Yeah. How, why would you cage a bird? I just feel like... I, I, it's hard for me to sit with that as a person. <laughs> Parrots aren't pets. 
I'm going to think about the many literary allusions to birds having their wings clipped, being kept in a cage, and make that literal. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and this, put it in my living room. Yeah. Like this beautiful creature can fly all over the world, and I just want to c- contain it within like 12 inches. Like, what? Monsters. Also, parrot, parrots are so smart, and they also develop, like, really profound emotional problems from living in captivity. So you're basically inviting a really long-lived neurotic roommate who shits everywhere into your house. A wild choice. But I feel like knowing Misty, she would definitely want that. Like, <laughs> like hearing that. Right, like her, a like, good yeah. pet for a sociopath. <laughs> yeah, it's a great choice for her. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't want to be friends with her. Right. (laughs) I don't want her to compliment my shapely calves. And they are shapely. (laughs) So Misty then like comes back downstairs and is crying. This is like an aftermath of her confrontation with Natalie. And Jessica Roberts is like, are you okay? And Misty's like tightening her cuffs and be like, you know, I'm just having one of those days. And she asks if she's hungry and she's like, I'm hungry. I'm going to make us something to eat. And I'm like, what? Just like the banality of this scene where it's just like, this is not your roommate. Caligula is your roommate. This is a woman you're imprisoning. I just love seeing, uh, I feel like I would be in the same position trying every strategy. Like Jessica Rob is always just trying a completely different strategy. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, what will work? What will work? What will work? And you see her like, cycle through it and i'm just like girl yeah i get it you gotta try you gotta try everything yeah she's an icon she's an icon back in 1996 in the attic we see a parallel to what's going on in the present where thaisa is explaining to shauna what happened when they are out in the woods and how she fell asleep and wound up in a tree and she says you know she's so scared to fall asleep and shauna holds her and she's like i'm gonna stay awake i'm not gonna let you go anywhere and in the present shauna's like hey i'm having an affair and it's adorable and uh Taisa wants to know who and she's like if you say Randy fucking Walsh I'm gonna burn this whole town down shout out to Randy fucking Walsh <laughs> I think he's in every episode it feels like every episode <laughs> we were like when have we talked about Randy yet <laughs> he pops up you know we have that conversation about whether or not he makes Shauna feel it I have such a strong theory that it is like the malevolent spirit in the woods like whether that is real or whether it's not like it's why they've struggled to exist in the present because they they miss this sort of wildness that they had out there I love that theory thank you because it like the viewer would be like watching it and being like yeah it like romance and it's just like no it (laughs) when we connect with the antler queen (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know how uh, nothing is as good as when we were in that cult? <laughs> Shauna, the next day, shows up at Adam's loft. He's just gotten out of the shower. Uh, once again, I just have to say, surprises ruin relationships, people. Uh, look what happened to that bandage dress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she brought these coffees in and she's like, oh, I want to like know about your life. And he's like, you specifically made fun of me for that earlier. And he confesses he didn't go to Pratt, but his girlfriend did. And he wanted to impress her. And he's like, oh, I went to high school in Houston. He's telling her about his brother, who's a colorectal surgeon in Ann Arbor. And he's like, the only thing I lied about was Pratt. I'm like, okay, sure. Like people... People are known for only telling one lie. (laughs) And he's like, hey, I've got a friend with a cabin in the woods, in the Poconos. Let's just get out of town. And I'm like, sir, she is traumatized. You can't just ask her to go to a cabin in the woods. 
How dare her? Want to go to the scariest place in the world, but for you? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I stayed up all night thinking of a threat specially personalized for your experiences. Yeah, for real. It does kind of lend itself to Kelly and Mai's theory about who Adam actually is and how he's involved with the cult. He was like trying to lure her up into the mountains. Mm. I just, I I really feel like we're going to find out some distressing information about him in season two. I hope so. <laughs> Much narrative investment in him. I'm just, I refuse to let him just be some random guy. Yeah, I need a backstory. I'm, mm-hmm. I am open-minded. I don't have a solidified, you know, let me tell you about Melanie and what she'd be doing on Twitter. She'd be poking the bear, okay? And I, I, I just remember one tweet where she's like, I've heard all these different conspiracies about Adam, but there's one I haven't heard. So that just makes me feel like Ugh. it's not that because I've seen that theory online. So I don't know exactly what it is, but yeah. it's something. I agree. So we'll see. We'll see. And she knows like the answers to a lot of the mysteries. I think the only thing that she doesn't know that's like a big plot point is what happens to Shauna's wilderness baby. Mm. So Melanie and we will be learning this at some point in the future. (laughs) Back in 1996, Laura Lee is looking out the window early in the morning and the cabin door is open for some reason. Like it's just open. I'm like, it can't be. They keep acting like it's so hot. And I'm like, I don't think it's that hot in the woods. It's just not. But she uh, says that she has an announcement that fails to wake everybody up. So she bangs a spoon on a stool. As a performer, I'm like, you could have planned this better. (laughs) She says she's going to take the dead guy's plane. She's going to fly south. And she's like, Van needs medical attention. Jackie then drops the bomb that Sean is pregnant, once again choosing violence. So fucking passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. So awful. Mm -hmm. Again, she deserved a slap in the face. I'm not saying that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you with your proportional reactions to things, Maggie. (laughs) I'm starting to doubt you were a teenage girl. Um, Akila remains this episode's MVP because upon this revelation, she just flabbergasted is like you were having sex (laughs) which would have been my reaction because totally would have been my reaction side note i like was stumbled through an old journal from like i had an eighth grade and it was just like i talked to heather about doing drugs she took some pills and i was like oh heather you can't do that and like so i feel like (laughs) and heather said i can and will (laughs) exactly Coach is like, Laura Lee, you can't fly a plane. And she's like, I have to do this because otherwise we're all going to fucking starve. She's cursing. It's serious. She says, what are you going to do to stop me, coach? Laura Lee, with a purpose, is scary mm-hmm. as fuck. Mm-hmm. Jane Gitta plays her. And she is just, once she has. Say them. Oh, they them. Thank you. Jane Widdup, the person who plays Laura Lee, they are super like intense once this switch happens and it's just like okay what's gonna happen i feel like that's why they got cast is because they could make that switch mm-hmm. mm. i just like how laura lee put that bass in her voice when she was like coach who's gonna stop who's gonna stop me you mm-hmm. know <laughs> yeah i mean what influence coach had has been waning 
uh, very rapidly. Yeah. In 2021, Nat goes into a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. Uh, no, she's not there to talk about her relapse. She is there to talk to a woman who was her best sponsor, who she really needs to talk to about something. And isn't going to assault again. That's the best line. Yeah, of their she isn't going to assault her again. <laughs> this woman also was like swiping cookies from the NA meeting, which she then like is eating surreptitiously in the coffee shop, which is a detail I enjoy. And Nat's like, oh, you remember that guy from the wilderness, Travis? Well, everybody's like, he committed suicide, but he didn't commit suicide. We find out that they made a pact. Travis made her promise not to kill herself, and she made him promise not to kill himself. And Natalie is like, I'm a liar, but he always kept his word. And Susie, her sponsor, is like, I think you're telling the truth for once. And Natalie's like, great. So here's how I'm going to blackmail you. And she's like, get me all this information from the bank. Or I'm going to tell them how we used to sell your customers information to identity thieves. And Susie is just like, I wish I never met you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you shouldn't have been her sponsor either. You're not supposed to get involved in capers. (laughs) Not capers. (laughs) Not capers. Illegal capers. (laughs) The woods caper everybody's working on is getting the plane out from the woods they're all pulling all the branches and stuff and shauna asked jackie like did you really have to tell anyone and jackie is so full of shit and only a marginally better liar than shauna her lies are so disingenuous she's just like oh well like now is not the time for you to be keeping secrets because it's like she's trying to goad her into she wants her best friend to admit that she did this and she's not going to (laughs) yeah it's just it's just so obvious shauna's a terrible liar yeah it's just so obvious though like she's just saying things like yeah i would want people to know like you know i I feel like shauna could you look at this girl and tell that she knows I honestly think that Shauna is just not getting any of this subtext. <laughs> really? I feel like they're like in a game of honesty chicken. <laughs> like, that's what I, I feel like they're doing some like a lot of unspoken fighting and Shauna's not backing down and neither is Jackie. Mm-hmm. And like, it's intense. And usually Shauna backs down. Yeah, exactly. This is like the beginning of Shauna kind of like saying no in her ways yeah Yeah. it's upsetting the natural order Mm. yeah Thaisa goes back to her house and sees Simone and Sammy making lost dog posters for Biscuit (laughs) we then get a scene of Thaisa explaining to Simone about her sleepwalking and she doesn't actually explain what happened I don't think she's talking about Van getting her face ripped open I think there's a second worser thing that happened that we don't even know about Mm -hmm. yet oh for sure her concern is that she's gonna hurt Sammy or Simone. And it's like, oh, well, we didn't see her personally hit, like, hurt anybody. So. Yeah, it's definitely alluding to something else. Because Van getting hurt is like, oh, I fell asleep. That's yeah. not really hurting no. someone. That's an accident. Yeah. I need you to leave because I will actively hurt you is a very different concern. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited to see where it comes from. And she snaps and she's like, you have to take Sammy and go stay with your mom. Like, no buts about it. And I'm like, Ooh, this probably could have been handled better, Taisa. Shauna's sitting on her bed, staring at the dress. <laughs> she goes into her closet and pulls this bag down, presumably to like pack for the Poconos. Because <laughs> I guess she's going to go. 
And she finds glitter on the floor of the closet. She has some flashbacks about the glitter that I felt were a little bit too handholdy. I think this show usually does a good job of assuming that we remember things that happen. Yeah. But it's like her remembering Thaisa saying, oh, we look for an asshole covered in glitter. And then it's her remembering pushing Adam into the closet. And it's like, well, yeah, that happened. So she then opens her safe to find her journals missing. And then she goes to Adams again and she's pounding on the door. He opens the door. She's like, who the fuck are you? And we're not going to find out this episode. Spoiler alert. That's the last scene in the present. And then we get everybody standing in a circle near the plane in 1996, which is actually similar to the circle around Laura Lee getting resuscitated by that lifeguard by the pool. All of the camp kids were like standing around in a circle. They all hug Laura Lee and she's getting ready to go. Uh, oh, and Javi is also there. <laughs> Just <laughs> FY. He's he's really he's the Jan Brady of this show, people. <laughs> Laura Lee, she's got her backpack and her teddy bear. And coach begs her not to do it one last time. And she's like, it's my purpose. I have to do it. And her bear's name is Leonard, which I find extremely endearing for some reason. And she starts the plane, which miraculously works. Um, what I've heard from not just the internet, but a listener named Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Uh, her dad used to rent commercial planes and basically airplane fuel has a very short shelf life. Mm. So Whoops. this probably wouldn't work but again can do no wrong it's this it's the woods the woods preserve the fuel i don't care and everybody cheers as the plane starts and it actually picks up speed and she's talking to leonard and this whole thing reminded me of when i used to get horrible panic attacks driving across bridges which is not great when you live in the bay area there's a lot of bridges you have to drive over so i would have to like talk myself through these panic attacks on the bridges but she's like oh leonard we have to get to 55 kind of like back to the future so we know she's allowed to watch secular movies Mm -hmm. sometimes <laughs> she makes it into the air everybody's running after the plane and they're screaming and cheering and there's such a sense of hope and buoyancy like i was shocked i was like oh my gosh she's doing it but i could feel in my soul something bad was gonna happen and something bad does happen because we see leonard appear to burst into flames as the cockpit fills with smoke jackie does spot the smoke so she did one good thing kind of in this episode and laura lee gasps and then just the plane explodes Ugh. in this incredible cut like we see her realize what's going to happen and then it happens okay i scream i know i'm a bad person i've squared myself with that a long time ago i busted out laughing when that plane exploded <laughs> It felt like a comedy yeah. beat. It felt like a comedy beat because of the way that it was all timed. You, like it was structured like a punchline. Mm. It just like it wasn't like I was like, oh, her dying is funny. It was just the timing of it was like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> so that got a resounding womp womp from Maggie. <laughs> and, I just look if listen. they didn't want me to laugh they shouldn't have set the teddy bear on fire first <laughs> had someone on the ground go is that smoke and then had it explode because that is that's just the setup to a joke <laughs> I can't help it that structurally I reacted with a laugh I am not here to um you know tell you what your lived experience was so that is a totally valid <laughs> interpretation yeah I also think it's valid I I didn't laugh at this but it reminds me of when I watched the movie Snowpiercer have y'all seen that? And Chris Evans mm -hmm. is just like, have you ever tasted babies? They taste the best. And it was supposed to be this really like piercing line. And I busted <laughs> out laughing because I'm like, 
You can't be like, I had to eat babies. Do you know how tasty they are? Like, I'm like, what? (laughs) But yes, same vibe. I don't know. I just was really feeling, I knew what was going to happen, right? Because we know Laura Lee is not successful. (laughs) Yeah. We know Laura Lee is not successful and she is one of the people named when Shauna does her Google search in episode five, who like had her family filed a wrongful death suit. I don't know against who, but like that was like the fake copy in the internet search. Yeah. So Lottie runs into the lake and drops to her knees and things are looking pretty bleak for our old yellow jackets here, friends. If I could, you know, pick off a vibe that you said in earlier episodes. Yeah, that's friend love, but that's also gay, Lottie. Mighty gay of you. Oh, dropping down to your knees to scream. Very, very gay. Yeah. Like, love it. Like, 10 out of 10 dramatic. I just would have loved to see the Lottie, Laura Lee love connection uh, and the Mm -hmm. tongue twisters. Mm -hmm. Ha ha. That would have happened (laughs) from that. Had they had the time. La 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 Lottie. <laughs> Lottie and Laura Lee. Yeah. Well, this actually, it brings me, is my question that I ask everybody is like, who are you shipping? Obviously, Laura Lee and Lottie. Yeah. Uh, for yeah. you, Luna. Jackie and Shauna, because I'm toxic. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, look, it's fiction. Okay. You know, <laughs> there is no morality, quote unquote. Yeah. That is a statement that will come back to haunt me. And okay. So let's say you are in this situation with the Yellow Jackets. You have read the entire Cessna plane manual. What is the choice that you're making? Are you going to try to fly that plane or are you just going to let it rot? No. First of all, I don't know why I have no knowledge of anything that's not a soft skill. (laughs) I just have only soft skills. I have interpersonal skills. That's it. Maybe. But I feel like... They don't have that person, Luna. They don't have that person. You could save lives. I couldn't save. I could have been like, we're going to be in a circle. Everybody just like slap Jackie one time. That's all she needs. Remember when when Jackie made us say one true thing? We're going to do that same thing, but the truth is a slap. And we're all going to say that to Jackie. (laughs) Okay. The thing is, I feel like you break apart that plane. There has to be something useful there that you could use for for other things. Are Are there stuff on the plane it could be like, yeah, that's what I would see that plane for. I agree. I would be much more interested in salvaging parts than in uh, <laughs> flying it again. Yeah. Okay, great. That's good to know. I would probably try to fly it. Wow. I too would see a bird in the forest and be like, God wants me to. So it's good that I never played soccer and <laughs> never crashed in the wilderness because I wouldn't have done well. Okay, so who at this point do you think is the antler queen and who is the pit girl from the cold open in the first episode from this point right now or where I'm at with the knowledge of watching the full season. I'm curious from this point right now. Oh, that's harder. I know I'm asking you to do some serious mental gymnastics here. (laughs) What I found from this episode, I really was just like, Oh, the girl who's standing over the pit hands down has to be van Mm -hmm. with like the Mm -hmm. bandage face. I'm like, okay, that's van. Well, and Van is also wearing often the co-ed naked soccer shirt, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite 90s references, because <laughs> those were everywhere. It was co-ed naked volleyball, co-ed naked hockey. <laughs> was it a sport? There was a co-ed naked t-shirt for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that Pit Girl uh, is Mari or Mara. Mari. See, I don't even really. Mari. I think Pit Girl is Mari. You're like, who's the one whose name? I don't know. That one. <laughs> that one. 
<laughs> yeah, that's who I think it was now. But what, at episode eight, I was still convinced that Pit Girl was Jackie. I think I felt very strongly that it was Jackie at this point because she just really won't stop until she's alienated everybody on the team. Yeah. See, but at this point, I thought so. By by the time we see Pit Girl, it's like there was so much strategy and structure in that. That I feel like it'd be further down the line of cannibalism. And I'm like, oh, they eat Jackie first. Mm -hmm. Jackie just kind of happens like (laughs) haphazardly. It's like an accident. Okay. I have a question. Who do you think they will eat first? Because clearly the pit girl can't be the first one. They're like Mm -hmm. too practiced. They know exactly what they're doing. I think they eat Coach Ben first. Sandsies. Agreed. Although I feel like at this point – With what we found out in the finale, I'm like, I have no idea who else has survived. There's also all of, like, the random, we're calling them Jennifers, um, (laughs) the the unnamed people who are on the team in the woods with them, who we care even less about than Mari. So I'm like, I I have no idea. I mean, technically, they could still eat Jackie first. I guess they could. I don't think they're ready. I don't think they're ready to eat her yet. But they could. I'm just, like, waste not, want not. That's all I'm saying. (sighs) Yeah. All right. Well, it is time for us to wrap this up because some of us have a day job that doesn't know what we're doing right now. <laughs> Before we go, Luna, where can people find you on the internet if they want more of your joy? Oh, thank you. If you want to find me, uh, I'm, I am a comedian. I just want to say, before I so you can find me at Luna is America. I do all kinds of stuff. Um, if you also want to bring this level of like, professional interpersonal skills like turn around and slap everybody to your workplaces i do actually consult for organizations and businesses i honestly i'm gonna hit you up for that after this um fantastic and uh we'll we'll keep everybody posted on the sex witch marabou profile when that goes live Um, and then Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i want to plug really quickly specifically for listeners of this podcast maggie takuda hall's graphic novel squad which came out before yellow jackets but is such a perfect companion piece to this show it's like do you like toxic teen friendships do you like queer stuff do you have feelings about wolves check out this graphic novel. It's great. It's a YA graphic novel. Uh, You can read it in a day, probably much less. I don't know how fast people read. Oh, yeah. But it's like it's like a nice um, kind of like amuse-bouche in the uh, the Yellow Jackets vein, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Kelly. You're like, oh, wow, got to wash all that girl jerky taste out of my mouth. Oh my god, it even ha- well, no, spoilers, never mind. There's just a lot of kinship between the stories. It's almost uncanny. Cause I had just read it yeah. for the first time and then Yellow Jackets happened and I was like, oh my god, this is exactly <laughs> like Maggie's book. Uh so where can people find you on the internet, Maggie? Uh they can find me on Twitter at E-M-T-E. E-H-A-L-L or on my website prettyomkmaggie.com and you can find any of my books any place books are sold. I write books for kids too that don't have any of my problematic (laughs) opinions about the Obama sex lives in them. (laughs) I love how both Maggie and I are like, hey, we also do other commentary that is thoughtful and inclusive and helpful. Listen, we all contain multitudes, okay? Multitudes. Multitudes. 
Yes. If there's no other message in Yellow Jackets, I think that's it. And I'm not just meaning because we have eaten multitudes of other people. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you both so much. I'm so glad that you could join me. And, uh, you know, we'll have you back in season two. Yes. Thanks for having me, Kelly. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review Blood Hive wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to recommend us to your BFFs and frenemies however you can. Subscribe to Kelly Anakin's hilarious Patreon or make a one-time donation to Kelly-Anakin on Venmo to help us keep the content coming. Send a voice message to bloodhivepodcast at gmail.com for a chance to hear your Yellow Jackets hot takes on an upcoming episode. Blood Hive is a production of KA Collaborative. Our theme song is Eat Your Heart Out by Wolves. Special thanks to today's guests, the team at Cosmic Standard, and my own personal judges table. Last but not least, all praise to the Antler Queen. <laughs>